audience of one, I truly believe that I was created first and foremost to be loved by you, God, and then to love you back. I thank you so much, audience of one, for engaging with me this past week as we read through Exodus 28 through Exodus 30 and Psalm 58 through Psalm 60. So Lord, as we started with Exodus 28, that was about the clothing for the priests was Aaron and his sons and how they were to be set apart to be your priests and you God had given craftsmen that you filled with the spirit of wisdom to create these set apart sacred garments for the priests the ephod the chest piece the sash the robe the tunic and the turban and Lord this was interesting because this is what you showed me was a, a time in the word at the very beginning in Exodus where it actually talks of the spirit filling people because it said that God had given craftsmen whom you God filled with the spirit of wisdom so you had filled them with the spirit for creativity to create the items you know, that were for the set-apart pieces for the priests to wear and for the tabernacle so that for, for worship for you, God. So that was really interesting. And then it broke down each of those uh, garments. The first one was the ephod, and it had 12 stones, six on each shoulder, were engraved with the names of the tribe, the twelve tribes of Israel, as a reminder to Aaron that he carries the twelve tribes on his shoulders when he meets with you and ministers in the tabernacle. And the chess piece also had the twelve tribes on it as well, along with um, the two objects or stones could have been made out of wood and they were called the Urim and the Thummim and that was interesting and um, the Urim equals lights and the Thummim equals perfections some of the commentaries said that these stones were used to determine God's will to reveal your decisions for the people and that one commentary also suggested that perhaps um, these items revealed your decision either by a yes or no or by a true or false. Or it was proposed that they would perhaps, if they were stones, light up to reveal your decision. So that was interesting. And then the robe had pomegranates and bells. It said approximately 72 bells tied to the bottom, which would tinkle as the priests would go in and out of your presence, Lord, which would apparently seem to announce when the high priest actually entered into the most holy place. 
and suggested that this was so that they might accompany you accompany the priests by praying when they heard the bells and then the turban was for Aaron and the priests to wear on their foreheads and it had engraved the words holy to the Lord and they must wear it as a type of foreshadowing of you Christ Jesus because the priest was acting as a mediator between man and you God and so the high priest who like Christ was the chief atoning mediator between Yahweh and Jehovah God and your people and then the tunic was the inner garment and this was what was worn underneath the robe in the ephod and it was actually what was the item that was next to the skin and it reached down to their feet and these things above that we just talked about must be worn whenever Aaron and his sons entered the tabernacle to perform their priestly duties and the priestly law that was set forth with these garments was for them and all their descendants so that was so interesting to learn about all of those parts Lord God and the reason for them and then Psalm 58 I just pulled out uh, verse 10 and 11 and it said the godly will celebrate in the triumph of good over evil then at last everyone will say there truly is a reward for those who live for God surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. Then we moved into Exodus 29, which is all about the dedication of your priests, Lord. And this chapter was filled with the sacrificial details that was given by you, Lord, for the dedication of Aaron and his sons as your set-apart priests. They were dressed in all those priestly garments, the entrance of the tabernacle Aaron was anointed by oil being poured over his head so the anointing with oil God you used this as an important symbol in practice to foreshadow the work of the Holy Spirit um, by anointing Aaron and his sons as priests and the holy objects in the tabernacle as well as being holy and set apart for your work, God. And that was only the beginning because the Holy Spirit consecrates the saints as the Holy Spirit anoints us as being set apart to do your work, Lord, which is stated in 1 John 2.20. But you have not been anointed by the Holy One, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. That's from 1 John 2.20. This again, Lord, reminds me of last year, June of 2019, in Israel when I was anointed with oil. And that was oil that came from the Bible that is producing oil supernaturally. And on the boat, on the Sea of Galilee, that's when you anointed me and 
it was a few weeks later in my quiet time with you Lord that you revealed that to me and you said in the spirit and you brought that memory to my mind and you said Mary it wasn't the leader who anointed you with oil in Israel it was me Jesus and I just in my spirit asked the question what did you anoint me with Lord and you said a new power and authority in your prayer life do you not see it look at my fruit from answering your prayers and then it seemed like a replay or a rewind over the past few years played back in my head and just just these things came before my mind and I could see God your answers to my prayers some of them were just with the kids with Christy and Dante and Bradley and they're moving closer to you Lord God which is always my number one prayer that my kids would be growing in an intimate relationship with you and um, Tori's salvation happened within the past few years Lily's salvation Lily with Bradley prayed and Sean and Steph with the crisis in their life and the kids healing and in 2015 and because of all of that evil that happened Jesus they all made a decision and invited you into their heart as a result and you took that awful stuff and turned it for good and and Dee's liver cancer and you told me that I did you need me to give her my liver because you are going to heal her it's been three years and she's still in remission from liver cancer my sister Kim's MS healing yeah she's doing so great my brother Pat's brain tumor and surgery we thought we were going to lose him and he's doing great my brother Dante he's alcoholic you know and just terrible marriage 25 years and now he's doing really great your precious care over Grandma Dehart, 91 years old, and being alone in that big house and after a stroke, and yet you take care of her one day at a time, meeting all of her needs. She has no car, she has no family around, but you bring people, angels, to take care of her. My sister Gina, who had terrible health and has been really taking care of her health the past two years. So great, Lord. Praise your holy name for all of those. Just remembering those things, and that's what played back in my head. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for that. And then we move on to um, burnt sacrificial offerings were made each day from generation to generation. And God, you said that you would meet and speak with them there. And that you would live among your people of Israel and you would be their God. And that they would know that you said, you said this, that they would know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. I love seeing this, Lord, that your reason to deliver them was because you desired to live among your people and be with them. You wanted intimacy. You wanted to be draw them closer to you. You delivered them out of there so that you could draw them closer to you. How wonderful. And you kept saying, I am the Lord their God. I am. You know, you are 
everything, Lord God, to us. Then we moved on to Psalm 59. I read this out of the Passion Translation. This psalm was a psalm of protection that King Saul, no, King David wrote when Saul set an ambush for him at his home trying to kill him. And uh, so I'm going to read some of the verses. Verse 1, My God, protect me. Keep me safe from all my enemies, for they're coming to kill me. Put me in a high place out of their reach. A place so high these assassins will never find me. Save me. And Lord, I felt the enemy tried to kill me a few times in my life. So I love that cry for protection. You can relate to that. Verse 5, Awaken, O God of Israel, commander of angel armies, arise. Verse 9 and 10, My strength is found when I wait upon you. Watch over me, God, for you are my mountain fortress. You set me on high. The God of passionate love will meet with me. My God will empower me to rise in triumph over my foes. Verse 13, let them all know and learn that you, God, are the ruler over your people, the God and King over all the earth. Verse 16, but as for me, your strength shall be my song of joy. At each and every sunrise, my lyrics of your love will fill the air. For you have been my glory fortress, a stronghold in my day of distress. And verse 17, O my strength, I sing with joy your praises. My stronghold, I sing with joy your song. O my Savior, I sing with joy the lyrics of your faithful love for me. Love that, Lord. Love all of those declarations of who you are. As protector. And Lord, as I read that psalm, I remembered how you need so how you indeed saved me from death's hands around my neck. The enemy definitely tried to take me full out by the spirit of suicide and several attempts on my life. But you, God, rescued me every time, and you have broken the bondage of the enemy's tactics off of my life and brought heavenly healing over my mind, my body, my soul, and spirit. Thank you, God, for your miraculous deliverance from my Egypt, from my slavery, bringing me out a little at a time or one day at a time through recovery rooms and counseling and prayer, spiritual mentors, supportive friends in my life, the power of your word spoken over me day by day, abiding in your presence, Lord God, and hanging on to anchor verses that you would highlight that would bring encouragement to my soul as I would hear you speaking ever so intimately to me, Lord God, drawing me closer and closer with you in your tender, compassionate, caring love over me. You are my soul's delight, Lord. I love your Father's loving care over me. 
Jesus, you are my best friend, but you are also my savior. You are my husband and my bridegroom, the best husband and bridegroom. And Holy Spirit, you are my uh, my total comforter, my guiding light. You are my teacher and my counselor. You are my heavenly healer. I love you all so deeply. You are everything to me. You are the best of my life. Best of my life. Thank you, God, for rescuing me. From me and from the enemy. Thank you, God, for bringing me into such a healthy place in my life. I am in the healthiest place of my life today. And it's because of you. One day at a time. A little at a time. Showing me. Love you, God. And then we went on to Exodus 30. And this, Lord God, was um, several different parts of the tabernacle. We talked about the incense altar, the money for the tabernacle, the wash basin, and the anointing oil. So here, Lord, (coughs) first, the incense altar. It was on how to make it and where to place it, and that the altar itself was to be placed just outside the inner curtain that shielded the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place and you God said that you would meet the priests right there and then you in verse 34 uh, gave the recipe for the incense that was used and it was most holy and it was never to be made or used this recipe or formula for anything else and if anybody did this that they would be cut off from the community because it was reserved purely and only for you Lord and then in verses 11 through 16, it talked about the money for the tabernacle, where it instructed Moses to take a census and that each man over the age of 20 would pay a ransom for himself, which was just a half a shekel. And I looked at how much a half a shekel is. It's 29 cents. Um, and it said if they did that, then no plague would strike the people as you had Moses count them. And this was a sacred offering to you, Lord, and this was to purify their lives and making them right with you, God, and that money would be used for the care of the tabernacle. And then it went on to talk about the wash basin, verses 17 through 21, in Exodus 30. And it said to make it out of bronze and to fill it with water, and that it was to be placed between the altar and the tabernacle, and that Aaron and his sons, the priests, were, were to wash their hands and feet there before they would enter the tabernacle to appear before you, Lord. And if they didn't, they would die. And this was a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants, and it was to be observed from generation to generation. So it's, I love that it was, you used the water, you know, washing of the water, which is just used so much, you know, in the word of God. And just the the beautiful property of water and the cleansing that it does. And then the anointing oil in verses 22 through 33 
here uh, like above in the incense we have the recipe or the formula for the oil and it was to be made from the choice choice spices of myrrh cinnamon calamus and cassia and olive oil and of course we know it's the purest form of the olive oil we learned that earlier from the first fruits and this blend was to make uh, your holy anointing oil for you Lord God only and they were to use this to anoint all the items in the tabernacle and all the accessories that were used and the wash basin and the altar for the burnt offerings and they were to consecrate them and make them absolutely holy and after this whatever touched them became holy as well this oil was also used to consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve you as your holy priests. And just like the incense, Lord, this oil also was not to be made or used for anything else. Or else, if somebody did, they would be again cut off from the community. And all of this, Lord, is recorded to see the importance of the items that were set apart for holy service to you, Lord. They were sacred and most holy. But as I read this, Lord God, I felt like I'm missing a lot here of the details of these things. Help me to understand, Lord God. Help me to understand. And then Friday, we did Psalm 60 in the Passion Translation. And this was a a psalm about it says has God forgotten us so verse 1 said God it seemed like you walked off and left us why have you turned against us have you deserted us oh Lord we plead come back and help us like a father verse 3 through 7 you have made you have taught us hard lessons and made us drink the wine of bewilderment you, you have given us miraculous signs to those who love you. And as we follow you, we fly the flag of truth, and all who love the truth will rally to it. Verse 5, come to your beloved ones and gently draw us out. Answer our prayer, for you are our saving help. Come with your might and your strength, for we need you, Lord. Then I heard the Lord speak in his holy splendor from his sanctuary. I heard the Lord promise and say, In my triumph, I will be the one to measure out the portion of my inheritance to my people, and I will secure the land as I promised you. That was what you said, Lord. And then verse 11 and 12. Give us a father's help when we face our enemies, for we trust for to trust in any man is an empty hope but with your help god we will fight like heroes and trample down our every foe lord i love how this psalm is my example and it's giving me permission to feel the feelings that sometimes i have wondering where are you and that it's okay to express this to you lord that there's no condemnation for that I also love how it states, Lord God, 
you know, with a vulnerable cry out of feelings, of feeling forgotten by you, God, and then how it shifts the focus onto you and what you've done. It shifts to your miraculous signs and your truth and your strength and your might and your ability to save us. I love Lord God, then David recalls your promises and then he declares them again back to you. You know, he heard you speak from your holy splendor, from your sanctuary. He heard you promise. And then he reminds himself, encouraging his spirit by what you had promised and said to him, that you will be the one to measure out the portion of your inheritance to your people, that you will secure the land as you promised him. Then he concludes with reminding himself of who he is with you, God, on his side, and that his identity and position with you and in you. I love it, Lord God. You know, the need for the Father's help when we face our enemies. To trust in any man is an empty hope. And with your help, God, we fight like heroes, and we will trample down our every foe. So this this psalm, like much of the psalms, Lord God, moves like through three steps. The first step is the the honest, vulnerable crying out of our feelings and our fears, and there's no condemnation to just be completely honest with you, Lord God. And then it moves from that place into recalling your promises from the past and who you are, God, and putting our eyes on your character of uh, you as a father and you as our protector and you as our God and what you have said to us um, and, and the things that you've promised. And then it moves from there and, and lands in the hopeful place of remembering who we are as your child and who our true position is in our identity in the battle and our, our and who will fight for us and so it just moves through those three things and I love that Lord I love that the Psalms teach us that so we come from a crying place of vulnerability where our focus is on the battle and we move our focus on to you and who you are and what you've said and what you've done in the past and what you promised to do and then we land on our hope of the future so I thank you Lord God thank you so much for the word and moving us through the tabernacle and the set apart holy items in it and the priests and just the the, the holiness of you Lord God and then these psalms, which were just helping uh, me to see the, the position of being okay, being vulnerable. And uh, sometimes all of us will feel the humanness of, where are you, God, and crying out to you. And that it is just the, the process of moving through um, those feelings and shifting our focus onto you and landing on the hope of the future, Lord God, because like you said in there, you pulled them out of Egypt because you wanted them to be set apart and you wanted to meet with them. You wanted that intimacy with them, Lord God. 
and just how you laid it all out for us in all of these ways, by the tabernacle, by the Psalms, Lord God, so beautifully on how to have an intimate relationship with you. So I praise you, Father God. Love you so much as I'm doing this on Father's Day, recording this. And you are the awesome, most awesome Father to us. Jesus, thank you so much. Love you, Jesus, my Savior, and Holy Spirit, the revealer of all of these, these truths. Just bless you, Father. Bless you, sweet Jesus. Bless you, Holy Spirit. Love you, God. Love you.